back. We're back for a uh, second week of the new year, buddy. Second week of the new year, and we got. I mean, uh, sorry, not second week. Second episode of the new year. Yes. Yeah. Not second week. No. Fuck. Is it the eighteenth <laughs> of January? I don't know. I I've lost track of the days now. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start getting quite busy with school stuff, so the date's gonna be flying by even faster now. But. Yeah, I have nothing on my horizons anymore, so even work is slow. Like, I wake up and I don't know what day it is at this point. Yeah, I was there in the summer when Mm -hmm. I, like, didn't really have much to do at work, but you still had to do stuff every day, and you kind of just got up and... Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Like, that's why I liked having school in the the fall, like, finishing school in the fall, but it, it at least had me looking forward to something to date, even if I didn't want to look forward to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I should start like working out and then I'll have something to do. Well, that's what I did in the summer. I was just like, all right, I got nothing going on. I can take 20 minutes out of my day to go for a run. And then I end up losing 25 pounds. That's solid. Yeah. I, I, I was on and off on the runs and like I, I biked a lot this summer. Actually, that was my go-to escapism because the movie theaters aren't around. So yeah, throwing a podcast or an audiobook and just, you know, a bike from my place to like Toronto sometimes like a 60 kilometer bike ride which is pretty pretty great i can't that's, complain yeah that's pretty crazy actually but it's like it's like right on the the lake shore basically like there's a bike trail that stretches all around lake ontario so pretty much just by the lake the whole time and you know kind of kind of uh just like meditative i feel for me that's how i felt with the running but mm-hmm. i didn't have audiobooks or podcasts i had some hardcore thrash metal rock and so Ooh, I was gonna which say is meditative meditative for me but yeah i was gonna say you're getting into like uh almost like a david goggins workout where you i thought you were gonna say you don't play any music and you're just going in like raw like you're just feeling the pain throughout it i'm like you're a savage but no, even no. still heavy metal is like ooh, i can imagine that works well it does it, it 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 i had specific songs lined up too that i knew i ran at a faster pace too yeah so well I the bpms right like the bpms yeah, exactly. matter yeah exactly and transitioning, I um, sorry, yeah, had Mick Gordon from from Doom, all of his stuff in there. Oh, so nice! I, I just I just ran around my block thinking I was Doom Slayer. <laughs> that that would put you in the that would put you in the mood. I feel. <laughs> no, it was. I was running to go kill demons. So. Yeah, exactly. You, you you might just get lost in that for a while. You're like, wait, I'm not holding a gun right now. What what's going on? It's not first person. Doom Slayer doesn't need a gun. That's true. He's just a sav. Anyways, Tran- transitioning though into into other music, like I've been into the sea shanties lately. The oh boy! Is... Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Big time! Like I'm gonna start running to the sea shanties, and I'll just get lost in it. <laughs> I mean, maybe the lighthouse put way more of an impact on you than we first initially thought. Yeah, I I I, I think there's like a worldwide influence that that movie had because I've been seeing sea shanty uh, kind of covers, just like regular people singing along to sea shanties now more often which i find i find it cool and odd at the same time like did the lighthouse just change the game up a little bit possibly to be honest i really wanted to learn the lyrics to homeward bound that one they're singing when they're yeah absolutely goddamn obliterated the first time yeah yeah oh what homeward bound and then fucking robert pattinson's weird improvised dance you know that weird dance where he just starts going you know that <laughs> yeah yeah that was all improvised by pattinson on set i can imagine they actually got drunk for that if, if they were um kind of isolated on a cabin like that it makes sense 
that they they got deep into the characters, you know? Like, I, I mean, in the sense of, like, they were so isolated from the rest of society that they kind of, they slipped into that character a little bit, you know, of, of uh, just stranded lighthouse keepers. I believe all the outside shots were on set, which was actually built. I didn't Yeah, know they this. built, right, they built the actual lighthouse themselves. I know, which is crazy because it's like, wow. I thought they just found it and like, wow, what a location pick, but... Mm. No, um, they, uh, no, they, they, they shot everything outside on set. The inside was, um, like a prop house, not a, not a real house. Oh yeah. I would imagine you need it. Yeah. But they do a good job making you still feel claustrophobic in that tiny ass in the set oh, yeah. that they filmed in. I actually want to learn something about like site selection from, from films that I'd recently learned. What's um, that? so are you familiar with like the blob? Mm, I don't think so. It's like one of the an old classic movie monster. It was the first one was like in the fifties, where it was just like this gelatinous monster that just consumed everything. Mm-hmm. If you've seen Monsters vs. Aliens, it's what Seth Rogen's character is based off of. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Like just a parody on that. Anyways, like in the eighties, there was a bunch of remakes of like fifties horror, like The Fly. I don't know if that was eighties. But, like, there was this, like, onslaught of remakes of old um, Hollywood horror into, like, a new modern setup. And anyways, in The Blob, the 80s remake, they have, like, this crazy sweeping shot, like, the opening shot of the town. And, like, it's, like, an empty town, and then it swoops over a graveyard, but then, like, it pans over to a football field, and the entire town's there. So it kind of, like, it's a crazy good shot, like just off the bat but like that was written into the script so the people that produced this film had to like and this is back in the 80s there's no google maps here they had to fucking scour maps to find small towns in america that had a cemetery next to a football field and it's just like god damn the commitment of some filmmakers is just right. outstanding that's that's that shows you man like anytime like that, that, that's cool like there's so much you can appreciate watching a movie that you think of like even the location scouting you know like that i find that cool that um, oh yeah. yeah so many little things like that that just go like okay wow they really had a lot of love poured into this movie so for sure i gotta look out for more things like that for sure yeah and now i think with the with like the benefit of like google maps google earth and stuff that becomes less uh not less of a a job less of a task like that's that's definitely a lot of skill in that because it's so it's like an underrated appreciation i feel where people don't consider that the like location plays so much into the film but finding that location or building it from scratch like they did in the lighthouse is that takes a lot of takes a lot of work and a lot of coordination that's just under i think underappreciated so yeah good on you for shedding some light on that wait wait you uh you been watching anything recently? Uh, I've been. I got deep into Vikings, my man. I got deep into Vikings. I needed to satisfy my my Game of Thrones thirst of like historical fantasy fiction that kind of a setting, and I wanted to dive deeper into like specific history, I guess. So, you know, I gave Vikings a shot on Netflix, and they only have the first three seasons up there. I, I breezed through that in like a week, and. Then I had to sign up for an Amazon Prime subscription for like one of their subscription packs and watch the rest of it. But um, oh yeah, I'm loving that show right now. I was telling you about it. It's um, it the the guy that plays Ragnar Lothbrok in the show, uh, Travis Fimmel. He's uh he's such a good actor and he's 
you know, in a couple other films like Warcraft and stuff like that. And I, I just never realized like, or I never kind of when the show wasn't airing on TV, like never watched it actively when it was, you know, on TV. But now I'm watching and I kind of regret that. Like I really, I really, um, you know, feel, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like the character pro- progression of, of, of all the characters in the show is so, so rich and it's like it's all netted in actual history so this is a show like i feel like you would love because you, you're big into character and the development of character and um yeah in this show it almost doesn't feel like these guys are characters they're like real people who are you know not you know in a world that's black and white like these are characters that are just completely gray and and at times you're you're on their side you're like yeah this i'm following what they're doing and then at other times you're just like flip-flopping and it, and it as a show i think it just paints a really a really kind of vivid and visceral picture of like what viking life and culture was like which is probably misconceived by a lot of people in modern times you know if like if you don't read into it or if you don't know much about the history like i was going into it not completely aware of what norse history was or mythology for that matter i knew very surface level things about it um but this show kind of just like sucks you into the world of like the the 700 to 800 AD era of um of Norway and England, the conquests that the Vikings did on on England, um, and and it just like you know how Game of Thrones is a is a kind of a realistic or a, a political realism in a sense. Um, th- like Vikings is almost like cultural realism. Uh, if I make a comparison, like it's, there's a lot of politics, there's a lot of power dynamic kind of things going on, but at, at its heart, it's like just a, like a periscope into how life was and how culture was in, in, in like thousand, 2000 years ago, something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I've just like, I've gotten sucked up into like Norse culture and mythology and I love it. Now, from what I know, I, I've I think a majority of my family members have watched through Vikings. They've always been recommending it to me, but it seems like such a fucking trek because it is. How many seasons are there? Like actually, yeah, I thought the same thing. It's it's. I think the sixth season just came out this year, so it's still going on actually right now. Like I'm on the sixth season right now, and I think they're still um, releasing episodes. But it's from I think season one to three or one to four. It's ten episode seasons. And then it gets into twenty episode seasons, which is just mad. Like it, it, it's it's a huge show. It's like in scope and scale, it's huge. So it, it's a really kind of good, I think, like thing to uh, to like sink your teeth into and like just spend a lot of time to understand how the world developed in that time. You know, so it wouldn't do it justice if it was like a short show because it, it the show also just stretches on like twenty thirty years of events. So. It takes a lot of time to show you how, in the beginning from season one, how the lives of Ragnar Lothbrok, who, you know, essentially was a farmer. And these are characters based on real, real heroes of history. So um, it, it, it kind of it kind of showed just like the evolution of of the world developing. So it is long. It is it is a, a grind to watch through, but it never felt like tedious. Uh, like by the second season, I was hooked, you know, so. Yeah, if if you're like if you're if you're into Game of Thrones, I I couldn't recommend it more the more enough. I can't think of a show that better suits me and my general interests because 
I have like a, I wouldn't say obsession, but a really big general curiosity about like Norse mythology and Norse history mm-hmm. to the point where I even fucking cop their hairstyle. Oh yeah. But, I, I was telling you, you're one beard away from being Ragnar. Yeah. That's a fucking long ways away. Let's not even <laughs> to, to poke at my insecurities here. Um, but yeah, like I, I definitely feel as though I should watch it. I think you're pushing me to do it right now. Um, yeah. Well, I'll I, tell you this: it's it's leaning me into the direction of copying Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and like just diving really? even deeper. <sighs> yeah, yeah. See, no, seriously, I was like on the verge of buying it today. Well, I'll tell you this too: I'm I'm very upset with my game my game experience of Cyberpunk right now. I've I've just not been playing it because I've just been so disappointed, and I want like you know my mind was set on wanting to play an open world game and just diving deep to it. So, I'm I'm feeling close to to getting Valhalla. Funny you should mention Assassin's Creed because I've been getting an itch to get back into that series because that mm-hmm. was like one of my childhood games, like Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed um, Brotherhood, Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed Revelations, Assassin's Creed 3. Like those are the main ones I played. Um, and even I, I skipped Black Flag. I don't know everyone gets mad at me for people that. love not, that one yeah i skipped I that one too I, I thought that one changed the dynamics of the game too much a bit but like people seem to love that so that's what i'm i it, it's it's a it doesn't seem like it would fit the assassin's creed experience that i would want if you know what i mean i do i do like, know what you mean but i feel like they're like that assassin's creed that we used to play on like assassin's creed 2 and 3 and stuff like i i have fond memories of those as well and i don't think the games they're making today are like the same games i think but they were close. changed course here's the hmm? thing here's mm-hmm. the thing they were close i don't know if you know what obviously like assassin's creed unity like mm-hmm. yeah i never played had, it but it, yeah I, I i'm aware of that one it sort of had a disastrously buggy launch and it was tainted from the beginning but now that majority of the bugs are fixed and like people are going back like yeah the story sucks and the character that you play as isn't really as charismatic as Ezio or Connor or um fucking Edward um but like the in terms of like actually Assassin's Creed gameplay it's crazy like the parkour system in Assassin's Creed Unity is the deepest and for some reason they scaled it back when they went to uh, Syndicate um, mm. which is weird to me yeah um, that's always like part of the DNA was like or the fun part of it at least for me was the the parkour elements and like just the, the free flow of, of roaming the maps and stuff like that right and like now like Unity's bugs are a little fixed like people are going back and like you can see compilations on YouTube and stuff of people doing like parkour routes and yeah. like if you actually just sit back and watch like with the music playing in the background it's so crazy that that's a video game it's so beautiful the way they're able to make the character move it, hmm. it's such a dynamic movement system it's not just like hold forward and 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 do this to climb like it was in the older ones like there's really big precise button movements that you need to do to perform like um, these crazy parkour routes and they actually have benefits because a majority of the time they're actually faster if you do like the harder button inputs it's it's crazy um, and I wish Assassin's Creed would go back to something like that I don't know I feel like Assassin's Creed just fits better in that European setting where you have like these huge historical cities like yeah Rome or fucking climbable, Paris. climbable buildings and stuff like that yeah so um 
I actually loved Assassin's Creed Syndicate for that reason because it was still historical, like in um in a era that is you know historically interesting, the Victorian era, I believe. Um, but it was in like more modern times, so you had you had horse drawn carriages that you you kind of got like a GTA vibe off it a little bit, where you can you know you can jack a carriage, escape from somebody, but then at the same time you had weapons like grappling hooks. And, and that just changed the dynamic movement up even more. So you have verticality now. And it's it almost made you feel like Spider-Man because you can just leap off a building, grapple onto a post, climb the post, do some parkour, and hide in a tree, you know, whatever. So Syndicate for me was like almost the apex of that classic Assassin's Creed. Like they took it the furthest with that one. And then I think Origins came out after that. And then they were like, let's, let's not do that anymore. Yeah. I recommend... Um... But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I recommend you playing Unity. Yeah, I'll I'll, ch- I'll check out some YouTube videos on that now. You made it sound pretty interesting with the, the parkour stuff. I, I, I completely dodged that throughout my life. Like, I really didn't pay much attention because I had friends that uh that played it and said it sucked, so I just didn't pay much attention to it. But if you're looking for that kind of Assassin's Creed game today, like, that game exists. It's called Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, true. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. there. <laughs> I was about to say, like, the next Assassin's Creed that I might actually buy is if they do Japan yeah but. oh that that's i i almost wish now like with what they're doing with assassin's creed now with origins uh odyssey after that and now valhalla and i've heard this sentiment before i kind of wish all right you know like just make independent historical fiction games and and really dive deep into specific mechanics that cater to that that uh play style that that kind of era um, and really like immerse you into that character because like that was the best thing of Tsushima, which was y- everything everything immersed you into that world of being a samurai and choice mattered. Um, like your play style was constantly evolving and you felt like you're getting better. And it was less like it, it felt arcadey at times too, but it was less arcadey and more of a more of an experience of like of really feeling like a samurai. You know, not in a not in a cheesy way, but like kind of really like the methodical uh combat that you you know you feel like a samurai would would fight like it makes you feel uh, feel that kind of tension mm-hmm. and like i don't know like assassin's creed games today like from what i've seen it's still like at its core trying to be assassin's creed with involving stealth but at the same time they're like having <laughs> both both at feet, the same like, fucking time there's nothing stealthy about a viking valhalla yeah exactly <laughs> right like they're trying to have feet in like they're both feet in both sides of the pool kind of thing so right like i so kind of wish they just had a viking game full through and like really dive deep on that but i, I want to check out valhalla now and see what that's about uh yeah for sure i and okay, here's, yeah i really, really hope that assassin's creed goes back to like a european setting like mm-hmm. set one like um in like the spanish inquisition in spain mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in like in like Barcelona or Barcelona, or however the fuck you want to pronounce it. Um, how did you say that? Who calls it Barcelona? <laughs> that's how you're supposed to pronounce Seriously? it. There's a there's a joke where when you go to Spain, like because they. Pronounce, I've been to Barcelona. I never heard anybody call it like that. <laughs> it's Barcelona and like Madrid. You might have you might have heard somebody with a lisp talking. No, no, no. It's funny. Um, fuck. I think Russell Peters has a joke on this where it's yeah. like. Where the Spanish are trying to teach the Mexicans how to speak Spanish, and they're like, "Repeat after me, ¿Cómo estás?" And they're like, "Cómo estás." <laughs> so it's just 
it's just like a, the accent different like f- french canadian versus oh french, yeah no french. doubt yeah if we got any if we got any spanish audiences please let us know so we don't fool ourselves with our with our knowledge but uh but yeah that's i think and from what i've understood of valhalla it actually ties into a bit of the vikings the show story um there's like so valhalla has i guess a bit of historical like i guess you know like all assassin's creed games they they take on or they um kind of take the stories of real people and just incorporate it so when i was looking into it uh like the show vikings is heavily like about ragnar lothbrook and his and his sons and like their adventures basically and they're it's an epic saga as you know in norse in norse stories or their epic sagas so ragnar and his sons are the the most famous vikings and it makes sense that valhalla touches on that and there's like the the um what do you call it like the the things that the characters do in the show which is like ex- they, they they're mainly like explorers and they expanded the reach of the like nordic empire in a way um that i think ties into the game a bit so it's kind of it's kind of cool to see like for me i guess i want to get into it just to see how that story kind of weaves into that a little bit um even another okay i'll just throw it in real quick so i watched braveheart the other weekend um <laughs> love braveheart yeah, great okay. fucking movie not historically accurate at all but pretty great movie um and then there's another movie called the outlaw king on netflix starring chris pine and i would suggest like watch braveheart and then watch outlaw king right after that it's almost like a spiritual sequel to it because there's a character in braveheart robert the bruce um who's kind of like a supporting character a minor character and they set him up as to be the next ruler of scotland in in braveheart um and then i watched outlaw king which is like his story of how he kind of kicked out how 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 they managed to effectively like kick out the britons the the english out of scotland so it's it was a it was like a like a spiritual successor in, in to braveheart in, in the fact that you actually see the story kind of go full circle you know what i mean um so yeah I've, I've just been anyway i've just been getting deep into the historical fiction around so if people want to recommend more of that I'll, i'm all ears um going the complete opposite way of historical fiction i've been binging a series um and it's called Mob Psycho 100, which is uh, an anime. Is that anime. an anime? Yeah. Um, this is the second story that written by... That is the complete by... opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the, the second story written by um, an author that goes by the pen name of One, who's the same oh. guy that wrote One Punch Man. Hmm. So I, I, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with One Punch Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, this the show kind of falls under similar, um, a similar setup in a way, where you have this your main character being this absolutely overpowered, like person. Like okay, let, let's let's start over. Mob Psycho One Hundred is about like psychics, believe it or not, and like psychic abilities, and it stars a kid named mob and he basically is capable of like using his psycho psychic powers at a level that would be equivalent to like multiple thermonuclear explosions like he's that powerful but he's just an awkward uh, like middle school kid who's got like no real friends nothing 
and um, all he really wants to do, kind of like Saitama in One Punch Man, is like just lead a normal life. And um, mm-hmm. it's like the setup that kind of evolved for One Punch Man because um, it doesn't so much focus on the character's physical achievements as you would in like a typical anime or like a shonen anime like this kind of turns into um with like power levels and like power um specific powers um but it more focuses on his development to just try to become a normal person in society because um he sort of shut out his emotions for so long because he was like when he loses control of his emotions he loses control of his powers so like he's like this emotionless kid and he's trying to like find a way to work around that and you know ask his crush out i can see the one punch i can see the one punch man comparisons being made yeah um like ask his crutch out um try to work out and get stronger um join clubs at school and shit like that but mm-hmm. along the way he runs into like shady evil spirits who are running cults and um an evil organization of psychics trying to take over the world so it's um extremely extremely entertaining and like probably one of the funniest shows i've watched in a long time it is so funny like same type of humor as one punch man um Mm. same sort of like um that kind of like offbeat yeah 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 yeah. like using the animation in such a way that's is so, it is it kind of parodying the genre in the same sense of One Punch Man, or is it? Would you say like no. the opposite? Like it fits into the genre of what it's trying it, to do. It actually fits into the genre this time around. It's yeah. less so of a satire. It's right, more so meant, yeah. of like a true anime. Because yeah, One Punch Man is like a satire on power levels and like anime fights and shit. Like anime that. in general, almost yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and no, this sort cool. of that sounds really. It, it does make fun of the tropes at the same time, but it also mm-hmm. uses. A lot of the tropes in general which was a little surprising to me but i'm guessing this is like one's attempt to like write a real story this time around not just a right, right. You something can't be true a to genre kind of thing yeah exactly so it's like you know the hero believes in friendship and family and the power of relationships and not mm-hmm. being alone versus the villain being like i am like the like singular greatest thing ever and like you can see the contrast in him where like mob can mob psychic like every it's so weird the psychic abilities in here are kind of bullshit because you know somehow people's psychic abilities can have them make black holes or like literally turn into the hulk mm-hmm. or teleport so like it has like sort of a jojo vibe in terms of like the variety of powers because that's the big thing that i like about jojo is that like there's no real power levels um every stand has a like specific ability so no matter who you are like you have to be strategic when you're fighting in jojo and there's always usually a counter to your stand that exists it's sort of the same principle here except except for mob mob is the exception mob's just so stupidly powerful that it doesn't even matter so um and then you get like funny stuff with that as well like you know giant demons being like who's this kid think he is and then you know next thing you know they're literally ashes um so yeah it's like i think the main thing 
that I liked the most was one, the humor, and then two, the animation is fucking stellar. Like, the character models are fucking stellar and versatile. And, like, I haven't had hype moments this big watching anime since, like, Demon Slayer, which is the biggest manga slash anime right now. But, um, yeah, it's it's crazy good. I might have to check that out. It's been a while since I've watched an anime show. Um, me too. It's hard, it's, and I was, yeah, it's hard for it, me to it, get into it nowadays, I feel. Same. It was hard for me for about a year and a half, where I was like, I, I can't get into it right now for some yeah. reason. Like, I used to be super into it. I'd watch one, you know, one after the other as, as they'd mm-hmm. go. But um, I came across just some video on, like, why you should watch mob psycho 100 and i watched the first three minutes i was like all right i'll give it a chance and sold <laughs> sold i mean yeah and i was like all right it's written by the same guy as one punch man i'll give it a chance and lo and behold yeah I've, i haven't laughed this hard in a while watching any show mm-hmm. i haven't gotten cool. hype you know so hypes in, in a long while since i watched this show so it kind of like just ticks all the boxes for me is it is um, it still ongoing or is it uh like what what season are you on or the show itself? it's on season so there's only two seasons mm-hmm. but i believe it's going to continue so um yeah and it, i think there's only 13 episodes per season but yeah it's it's you know they go by quick once you get into it like um it's actually crazy because it goes it's, it's sort of like a, a mixture between battle anime and like slice of life anime but like the way they weave it in and out of each other like you know one moment it's slice of life and then literally a frame later you can switch it all the way over to okay now shit's going down so so like um, 50% high school drama 50% like one punch man not even high school drama but like um, there's a lot of it it takes time to first develop the characters and then um, with like the main conflict sort of lingering in the background and then it sort of once the characters have gone through each of their individual arcs then the main threat comes into the season and based off of the lessons they learned throughout the season they are able to then defeat the main threat if that makes sense mm-hmm. so it sort of starts off it's almost like how every tv show or movie works my friend yeah 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 sorry <laughs> it starts off small with like that's no, okay that sounds that sounds sick though um smaller scale battles and shit like that just like one-off episode battles and then it gets into like multi-episode battles near the end with super power uh super powered up enemies and like team ups and um yeah crazy hype moments where you're like oh shit i knew it I knew it all along. Um, so yeah, it's it's amazing. I'm kind of sold off the fact that it's uh, done by the guy that made One Punch Man. Like his credibility is high now. So uh, yeah, I'd be down to check out like whatever he makes. I feel like he's one of those voices in anime right now that's just like he's aware of the genre and like you know kind of kind of just doing doing things that are new. You know. Um, he still has think. fun with, with the genre, but like, yeah, this is more mm-hmm. true to what an actual anime show would be. Um, but right. yeah, he still pokes fun. He's like, he can't help himself, obviously, and it's still absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. And like, we talked I think, about. 
Sorry, go on. No, no, you go. Okay, I, I was just trying to think if we if we've talked about um, like anime films on this show yet because there's actually there's some anime filmmakers I would love to like point you in the direction of because spirited away. like no not just Miyazaki like there's you know there's and not like Akira or Ghost in the Shell like people love to talk about those which are amazing films in their own right but um like look into the filmmaker Satoshi Kon um he's one of like anime aside just one of my favorite filmmakers I think in any genre from any country um because he has this he has this really like cinematic sensibility when it comes to anime and it, it like it makes you feel like you're watching like it, like watching something shot from a real camera like he has an understanding of editing and camera techniques that are just are just reminiscent of like you know a real show or a real movie but with the benefit of the fact that it's an anime and you could stretch the boundaries of creativity like enormously with anime um so i i would say like if if you're into the into the idea of like genre melting um animes you know look into the filmmaker satoshi kone he has films like perfect blue paprika um and 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 millennium actress and and these films are like they're not high intensity anime in terms of action um in, in that classical sense but the the way it just evokes like cinematic uh like handheld qualities of cinema you know it's insane it, it you you actually learn something about editing and camera work when you're watching his his films at least i did and and yeah i i, I don't know i i i've haven't encountered that either in shows yet and i want to like i want to feel like his influence is more stretched out than the short time he was making movies cuz he's dead now he only made like three or no, like four or five films, something like that. Um, and I feel like he's one of the he potentially one of the most influential film influential filmmakers out there. But I really want to see an anime that that's kind of realistic in the sense of in the sense of its filmmaking, but but still uh, exploring like just what anime can do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's it's uh, you, more and like I think a you, you definitely know film style. Like it's not yeah. like it's it's more grounded but it uses the medium in a in like sort of a subtle way is what you're saying yeah like no not even subtle like very obvious almost like i guess not obvious that you're like oh like that's a cut like i guess um in his editing it, it feels invisible but it's it's uh how should i say it it's it's it evokes like it evokes the sense of a real camera a real Oh, okay. film like a real a real like shot on film kind of experience it, it, it follows the rules of physical cinema but carrying over into an anime and i know you would know more you know more about anime than me so i'm wondering is there shows like that even that are kind of in in the sense of cinematic realism um would you do like do you know anything like that not like that i know like a lot of modern animation now hinders on like the philosophy of um trying to replicate camera work um, mm-hmm. you can see that in the newer Dragon Ball movie, um, especially cause they tried some really crazy shots in terms of like POV shots and tracking shots. There you go. And, there you go. And, yeah. And shit so like that. That influence is there then for sure. Yeah. So like that's, that is more, that's coming more into like style nowadays. 
Um, yeah. There's even slight stuff like that in Mob Psycho 100, but it's more action centric. Like once the action starts, then they start mm-hmm. using like cool camera technique, especially with um, uh, this one villain character who's like a teleporter. Like they do some absolutely crazy camera work, quote unquote camera work um, with that character. Okay, like, I'm going to check this out on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So um, oh, I forget his name, but because it's like, all the names in that show are super Japanese, and it's, it's yeah, it's tough to remember. Japanese, yeah, Japanese films are just, they're honestly, like, with everything, they're ahead of the game, but with films, too, they're ahead of the fucking game, bro. They, like, anime is such a fucking sick medium, but then when you, like, when you even change that up a little bit, like, when you when you can push the boundaries of that, you get stuff like One Punch Man, uh, which is, like, a meta commentary on it. Like, yeah, you can, you just have six shows out there with anime. Oh yeah. Anyways, Anyways our main um, discussion for for this episode. Yes, we, we'll shall we get into on. that? Yep. Uh, so check that out in the next episode. I think we're talking about WandaVision because that's a new show that's coming out. Oh right. So, yeah. um, be sure to give us a rating here on um, whatever you're listening to: Spotify, Apple Play, or fucking Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, <laughs> and then follow us on Instagram and YouTube at Mythic Morons. Please and thank you. Can I can I just say something real quick? Very very detached from our show, but I have a question sure. to ask you, right? To do with podcasts, and and I feel like it's an important question. I haven't asked it anywhere. You listen to Joe Rogan, right? Yes. Have you been listening to him since, since the he went to Spotify, Spotify deal? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I yeah. haven't. <laughs> God damn! I think that that's gonna hurt the podcast, his podcast, a little bit, because I I paid way less attention to it and i noticed he started uploading clips back onto youtube and i feel like that's to gain back his audience you know he he was still allowed to do clips he's just not allowed to show the full podcasts oh okay okay that makes sense because i was like i don't know there's something so off like i I don't like the fact that i have to use different apps now for shows like i use apple Podcasts for all my podcasts now i have to specifically use spotify which is my music app and, and Spotify fucks my podcast up every time. Like, when I play it, it'll switch to a song or something. Like, it's kind of annoying. So, yeah, anyways, that was a bit of a sidetrack conversation. But that's guaranteed. We're not selling out, boys. Well, unless Spotify hands us $100 million. But Yeah, I don't think Joe Rogan's too broken up about it. I mean, if he was going in it for the money, then he wouldn't be. But, like, I feel like it is going to take a hit on his audience. It must have. It, yeah, it is. And you can, everyone's still fucking super salty about it. I could care less. Like, if I'm not listening to it, then I'm not mm-hmm. listening to it. But now people are like, ah, ever since you went to Spotify, I haven't been listening. I'm like, well, then go to Spotify and listen, you fuck. Like, it's not hard. It's not goddamn that's, rocket science. That's good advice. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. So, that um, you should, you should write his slogans now. But even still, <laughs> like, they, he used to do like the like this is such a weird thing to to kind of complain about but like there used to be like the six minute ads in the beginning of the shows and now those aren't there anymore so it feels really different now like it, it feels feel like different. a different kind of show experience i think yeah. the one i did listen to was the bill burr one but that's it yeah i i definitely listened to that too just it was bill burr and like that that'll remain classic stuff i guess yeah but anyways that was a bit of a sidetrack on our main show anyways if you had a good time watching or listen to us Make sure you subscribe to the show, leave a like and a rating. And also, we're going to be starting to upload on YouTube now. So check us out on YouTube and share with your friends on there. Um, helps us out a lot if you if you leave a comment or a rating. 
sharing of course is like word of mouth is I think the best way to, to, you know, share ideas, share stories, stuff like that. So if you enjoy the show, make sure you tell a friend and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.